Hey there, scribes and scribblers. If you get chills when the ink spills, you're in the right place. That's right. Welcome back to the Nib Section, official podcast of Fountain Pens Oceania. My name is Chuck. I'm here with... Uh, um, Chuck is back, guys. It's been a little bit. It's been a little bit. But um, let's, uh, let's, let's introduce the other hosts before, <laughs> before we start uh, you know, throwing the parade. Uh, I'd like to bring our chief brainchild back on. Um, Di, welcome back. Thank you, Chuck. Generous benefactor Sharon back in in the loft once again. Woo! And yeah, we brought back Chuck. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the Iron Grouch himself, Tav. What up, what up, what up? So it has been a little bit. People have been uh, bouncing around and um, Sharon and Leo took took a couple of episodes. I took the last episode, um, which I just got done listening to yesterday. Check it out if you haven't already. Yeah, in the last episode, I, I spoke to Anna Chiki of Incantadora. Yeah. How, how did you describe her? Uh, an ink ethnographer. That's what I called her Which um, I really like. in my notes. So I didn't end up using that title. But I thought that was a pretty accurate description of what she does. All right. We've uh, changed the, the format of this. Uh, it used to be, uh, what are we writing with? But uh, that makes the acronym very back heavy. I think it's now what we are writing with. It's always, it's always been, been what we been? are. Oh, so I've yeah. been saying it wrong this whole yes. time. Yes. Yeah, 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 what yeah. we well, are writing yeah, with. Yeah, okay, I've been W-W-A-W-W. the acronym very It looks much cooler, W-W-A-W-W, like a Wonder Woman sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's it's a lot more symmetrical. It's it's like a... It's a palindrome. Yeah. I think we just lost all the Marvel fans in our... In our audience, sorry guys. It's not an either or. It's not a competition. Okay. No, no, you are you are correct. It's barely a competition. <laughs> it's, <laughs> um, it's not. Yeah, everyone knows Marvel's way better anyway. So we've got some feedback that we're, we're going to run through. Uh, uh, are we going to yeah, talk no, about what you know, we're writing with? I'm, 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 let's, oh, I'm rusty. I'm rusty. <laughs> oh man, you know all that fanfare. We're just going to retract <laughs> all of that. All the confetti I've just thrown on yeah, you. Yeah, we're going to yeah, take I'll, all of that I'll pick back it up too. In a second, it's like a 52 pickup situation. <laughs> uh, Tav, how about you start us off with uh, what we are writing with today? Uh, today I'm writing with uh, Twisby Aurora. Uh, limited edition, I think, of um, about 100 pieces. It was a small run. Yeah, it was a very small run. run. Uh, And it was acrylic. It didn't look like it was injection molded or anything like that. It looked like it was turned from a piece of acrylic, which was really nice. Was it turned? When you finally received it, did it actually have any of those uh, seams that you would find? It doesn't have any seams, at least not that I could see. Maybe I haven't looked closely enough. But it it also looks like it could, like that kind of material looks like it had to have been turned and not injection molded. Can you uh, pass me the pen um, just so I can get a a sense of it weight-wise? Because a lot of the times, if it's not the um, AL uh, Twisbees, I tend to find them very light. Like uh, like the ecos, yeah. I, I quite like that about yeah. Them. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I I don't see a seam. It definitely looks like a piece of cast acrylic that's been turned. It's a it's a nice weight capped anyway. I can't really I can't. It's about the same uncapped. I'd say the, the cap's very light. It's not a pen you'd use posted though. My only complaint about that pen is that the nib is undersized yeah. Yeah. for I, the I, body. I, I was just that. thinking I that. I totally agree with that. What have you got in here, Tev? It's a broad nib. The ink is um, Maruzen Athena Eternal Blue. There you go. Uh, what about you, Sharon? What are you writing with today? So I'm writing with an Opus 88 Demonstrator, which Dai actually kindly gifted me for my birthday last year. 
but um, oh. I pulled out the stock fine nib and I've replaced it now with a Pilot Parallel 3.8 millimeter, and it was really easy to do. I sort of just bloop, pulled it mm. out. And so then still, shook. still a very fine line. Uh, yeah, very, very fine yeah, line. Yeah, you know, yeah. three point eight. Not broad enough. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to put in the six millimeter, but then I thought that may have been just a little bit too obnoxious. But um, my main complaint about the parallels is the fact that you're reliant on the cartridge ink volume, which is okay, but it's not great. And if you've got something like a three point eight millimeter nib or a six millimeter nib, that cartridge goes in about a whole page of writing. Whereas the Opus 88 demonstrator, it's got um, it's an eyedropper fill. So it's got massive ink capacity. And I've had this inked for about two weeks and I've been playing around with it. It's been through one meet, one pen meet, where other people have played around with it. And I've still got a decent amount of ink left. Um, and I've inked it with Sailor Gentle Fuji Musume. So one of those lighter purple inks, which shows really nice shading that I don't normally use because I don't use broad nibs. And this shows the um, effect the best in a broad nib. The, the other thing about the Pilot Parallels is I don't like the long, slender kind of body It's not a pocket pen. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little more difficult transport. They are definitely not portable. You can't keep, you can't clip it in your pocket. You can't. There's no you clip. Can't post it. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Di? What are you writing with today? I'm writing with... Okay, so recently on my Twitter, I posted a very long, almost two-minute long video of me writing with this pen, and um, it's a Sailor Pro Gear, the large size, I suppose you call it. Um, full the, size. The full size Pro Gear in the finish called Mille Colore Blue, I think is what it's pronounced as. It's got these bands of, I suppose one is like a navy and one is like a sapphire blue um, with gold rings around it. It has this really, really nicely tuned hard MF nib, which is not too wet. And I've inked it with Sailor, um, the new Sailor pigment ink. So there used to be two Sailor pigment inks, the Nano Black Kiwaguro. Mm -hmm. There was the Seiboku, mm -hmm. the blue black. And now there's a new blue black called Suboku, um, which I think is a little bit more gray. Yeah, it, I think the old Seiboku was more, definitely more blue. More blue? Okay. Yeah, yeah this one's more This one's gray. quite faded, yeah. I, I really love this colour. Mm. It's like um, like a dark washed denim mm -hmm. sort of colour. And because it's this is a fairly dryish nib, um, you get really nice shading with it. This, this pen also has like a white and pink companion, doesn't yeah. it? Yes, there's a pink milkory, which I think is... Um, easier to find online yeah. it's white red and pink it's nice it's actually kind of like a really well put together it's like a candy cane it's a I, hello I kitty say, it's like a faux hello kitty kind yeah, of situation yeah, yeah. um so this one is like a what is it five shades of blue type of um feel and the interesting mm, thing about not my favorite bdsm movie five shades of blue you know you some people prefer them more gray but um this particular pen i owned at one point and I bought, um, I think I may have shared this story before, but when I had heard that Naginata nibs were going to be going out of production, I went on a Naginata splurge and I bought every single Naginata nib in sight within a reasonable price. I also bought a whole bunch of other Sailor Pen bodies, which had the single tone nib, which uh, this particular pen actually does. 
because I wanted to swap on this Naginata nibs onto bodies that I liked. But the thing about this particular Sailor nib is that the gold that they use for this nib is different to the regular gold. So this is a green gold finish, which they use in special editions. And the regular gold is more of a yellow gold. So I'll bring it over one of my yellow gold ones. So the clip is also a different coloured gold. It is. It is. So you, it doesn't swap. It doesn't oh. swap. It has. It's one of the very few that use that greenish gold tinted nib. So you, yeah, you're stuck with the medium fine. Or if you can get another special edition nib, they also do it in a medium as well. Medium and a fine. I love that attention to detail though because I think like a yellower gold would not look so nice with the blue it's nice that they produce the clips the band and the nibs well well, like a yellower gold and a blue would be like that combination happens a lot more but with the with the greener gold it's a little less in your face it's a it's more subtle you know I've, I've seen that pen several times and I'll tell you what I've never actually noticed that but now that you mention it 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 really is it is it's not the same. It's so it's not actually a gold gold. Yeah, so the one I've just brought out, a Pro Gear, which has a Naginata nib on it, and I'd gladly swap it over to this uh, Mil Color. I can't say that. Mil Color. Mil Color. I thought it was Mia. Mia But there's an accent over the E. It looks like t- Italian. Mille so colore. the five shades of blue pen. Listeners, if you know. Let a, the, <laughs> it's either French or Italian. Yeah, give, yeah, give Italians us a, in give, the audience. Give us a phonetic rundown. Please. Thousand colours. So the. Even yeah, there's only four. This particular one, the five shades of blue, it has a completely different colour trim. And so your regular Naginata nibs won't swap onto this. Or actually, most other um, Sailor nibs won't swap onto this one. We'll have to get a photo down. It's very, very obvious. And I only have one other pen, or no, two other sailors which have that same colour nib. And um, they're both on limited, limited editions. It's even more obvious in the photo that Dai's about to take. Uh, on a sailor note, um, I also have brought a sailor today. Uh, and uh, I was kind of holding on to this, but pushed the timeline ahead a little bit. And I ended up with a King of Pen demonstrator, the the Pro Gear. Uh, And it's got a medium nib on it. It's pretty fantastic. Uh, In honor of Brian, I have it filled with Yamabuto at the moment uh, because he can't be with us right now. Uh, If you're listening, Brian, this one's for you. It's pretty great. There's, There's not... A, a huge capacity, but it's a, a really, really great writing experience, uh, regardless. Um, Baby's first king of pen. Yeah, yeah. The, I don't quite have the um, the nib on mine that you do, though. Uh, so, some feedback we're going to read out before we get to our main topic, uh, as well as a giveaway, which I, I'll let Dai take over when we get to it. Um, but first up, we've got... Donut Jimmy from USA on iTunes gave us a five-star review. It says, fun podcast and one that gives a different perspective on the hobby. I say this as a US-based listener. Good chemistry between the hosts and good information. Only complaint for certain hosts, don't be so down on steel nibs. Some people use and love them, whether due to cost or performance. So I'm, I'm pretty sure all of us uh, actually do have some favorite pens that are steel nibs. We've, we've talked at length about the Kakunos and the Preras, which are pod favorites, um, and a lot of the others. Yeah, my um, my Faber-Castell Ondoro, which I use every day, is a steel nib. Yep. Great steel nib. Yeah, absolutely. 
they tend not to be the ones that we get more excited about because as a pen gets a little more interesting in terms of finish and design, generally a company won't stick a steel nib on them. So we don't talk as much about them, but that does not mean that we are not uh, in favor or appreciative of uh, those little steel nib fountain pens. Um, I, I definitely carry my, my prayer on me uh, every, every day at work. Absolutely. And certainly now, when there's a lot more people experimenting with stock steel nibs, um, doing customizations and so on, you're not finding interesting nibs just on the high-end gold nibs Absolutely. anymore. So there's a lot more uniqueness at the steel nib end of the market. I always used to be fascinated with like the old Schaefer steel nibs, like in the era of the Imperials and the Targas, because they were made with the same tipping material and to the same manufacturing standards as gold. I think I read an interview with a, a Schaefer employee, like a former Schaefer employee who used to make the nibs, and she said the only difference between a gold and a steel Schaefer nib is ego and bragging rights. So, uh, and hey, I'm cool with that. Like, <laughs> I just want a gold nib. But I will say that my most used pen is a steel nib. Um, I use that every day. It's the only pen that is on me every single day. And the thing is, I think a couple of us have mentioned before that we sometimes get annoyed when a very expensive pen comes with a steel nib. And in fact, this will probably come up later yeah, in this yeah, conversation. The, I, I had that ready. That, that was in the chamber. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. And sure. This, is, this is, it's not meant as any knock on steel nibs. It, it's a reality that steel nibs cost a lot less than gold nibs. So sometimes there's a perceived um, difference in value between like when there's a really good expensive body and they just didn't bother to match it with yeah a, a we'll, we'll get we'll get into it. that in the yeah. actual pet peeves and unpopular opinions if i've got bit. an interesting pen and it's sitting under the 150 mark and it's got a steel nib i'm, I'm not going to bat an eyelid oh, totally yeah I've but if that. if i've if i'm looking at an interesting pen and it's a little higher up the bracket and they've they've not got a, a gold nib option then it starts to raise questions at least in my mind um, but thank you very much, uh, Donut Jimmy, for uh, checking in. Uh, you know, we, we definitely will mention uh, all of our uh, identified steel nibs and the, the pens we love that come with them. Uh, next up, Dad, do you want to take this one? Sure. Um, next comment, which I don't think we've read before, is from Blue Bomber in Canada. Uh, they rated us five stars on iTunes. Diana, Sharon, Tav and Chuck are the heart of this podcast. It's not like we were reading this um, comment on this episode. Um, they say, there's such great chemistry between these hosts that I catch myself smiling and laughing with them. The relationship dynamic here is the perfect recipe for making a fun and enjoyable podcast. And the best part is they talk about fountain pens. There's a wide range of diverse knowledge to be had and I think everyone would appreciate. Thank you all so much for going the extra mile to make the fountain pen community so great. Thank you so much, Blue Bomber. Oh, shucks. Oh, <laughs> Thank you. you. We should have saved that comment for uh, an episode with uh, different guest hosts. <laughs> All different guest hosts. That like, would have yeah. been awkward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, guess what? That would have been a very short episode. <laughs> Just walk out. Leave, oh, leave and, uh, what, oh we're, we're not writing today. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you want to take this next one, Sharon? Sure. So the next one comes from James P from USA on iTunes, who also rated us five stars. Uh, I always enjoy all of the nib section hosts. 
they have so much fun together. I'm always fond of their humour and sarcasm between all of them. This is the perfect podcast for my morning commute. Such a great way to start my day. They all have a great sense of humour and are well-versed in all things pen. Great place for fountain pen recommendations and advice. This is an incredibly diplomatic and <laughs> even-handed review. <laughs> Thank you so much, yeah, James. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, my head's currently bumping up against the ceiling with how big it's getting right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but I also love how they didn't name any names. So we should have I'm left this assume, one. I'm just going to assume he's talking about all four of us <laughs> like the previous one. Well, th- thanks. Thanks for that. I appreciate it. Thank you, James P. And I've actually um, – so this isn't the first – a time someone's given us the feedback that they listen to us on their morning commute. And um, someone actually mentioned to me once that when we first started these, our episodes were about 40, 50 minutes long, and that made for the perfect morning commute. I wonder what's happened now. Has their commute gotten longer as our episodes have gotten longer? Or do well, they split they it across two? They to commute two ways, right? So... 40 minutes in the morning. Oh, he, did, he, does, he, does, he did say morning. <laughs> all of them say morning. We're, we're a yeah. bad evening commute podcast. Yeah. yeah. For some yeah. reason. It's, it's always, it's always yeah, the morning commute. We've had that feedback quite a few times. I, mean, I, love, I love to listen to podcasts on my way to and from work. That's 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 just my yeah, thing. Yeah, no. no I, I love listening to us, but not between the hours of five and seven. You know? <laughs> well, my morning commute's about 12 minutes. So. Yeah. <laughs> This podcast is a little bit too yeah, long. It'll take to, me. You're gonna have to find a very different podcast. For it. <laughs> um, well, th- thank you very much, James P. Um, we do have a giveaway. Yes. So um, a couple of months ago, I think it was now. So it was. It must have been before Sharon went overseas. Oh um, wow! Quadrupod on Instagram, um, Adam. He sent us a. Package of um, pen pillows, glass pen pillows. They look like little, they they do pen look pillows. like little pillows, but they're really pen, pen rests. Um, and he makes them himself um, out of glass. And I've seen videos on his Instagram where I he think shows they look him like little bow. What do they look I like? I think they look like little bow. What's a yeah. little bow? No, like, like like bow buns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or like mochi. Yeah, kind of yeah, like no, like, actually, like mochi. That's that's, that's better. Like like mo- like mochi or like like puto for for the uh, Filipino listeners. It looks like a little mochi that you've rested your thumb into, so it's yeah. got like a little dimple in the middle. Li- like pressed a pen into, yeah, really, yeah, yeah. Like absolutely. So um, the forbidden snacks. There's a photo on our Instagram of the ones that Adam was so lovely to send us, but he also sent us a few extras. We're going to give them away on the Instagram as well. So uh, today, on the 10th of May, there will be a post on Instagram to enter the giveaway. You just have to comment, friend the Instagram and also tag one of your friends in your comment. We'll select three people at random um, after a week. So that gives you until the 16th of May, midnight, Sydney time to enter. Yeah, so check out Adam's Pen Pillows online. He's selling them on his website now. Yes, he now has a website where you can buy some of these. And he's done some really cool um, experiments with, I don't want... Glitter. Well, it's not glitter. It's something else, but I'm pretty sure there's a technical name for it. It's some type of mica, I think, that he infuses into... Glitter is mica, I think. Uh, Glitter is silicon... Borocarbonate? Okay. <laughs> Edit this out. <laughs> no. No, you're just going to – I know you, Diana. Whenever I say edit this out, you're just going to like, I'll screw that. I'm just going to leave it in. <laughs> what are you talking about? This is a podcast. You can't edit a podcast. 
nothing gets edited <laughs> no, in the podcast. Doing this, yeah. We're doing this. It's live. all live. Yeah. So Adam produces these glass pane pillows now. I think in two different sizes: large ones for like Mont Blanc one four nine size, and smaller ones for your little skinny pens. Um, so have a look on his website. Even even the little ones are, are perfectly fine for it for your bigger pens. It's just that there's, I think the angle is nicer when with the yeah. with the bigger ones. They're really nice for um, taking photos. Yeah, photos yeah. of your pens. Instead with. of like the smaller one, if you've got the smaller one and a bigger pen, it's a little more like a roll stop than than like a little pen rest. But I I'm a big fan of the ones that he sent uh, he sent us from before. He picked ones that were very well suited to um, our personalities yes, and yes. what we like, our colorways. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we're both, we're all very excited about it. But that, that's our giveaway, and uh, keep an eye out for that post. On to our main topic, moving on from pen pillows. Well, we're a pen-powered podcast, and we normally pitch pretty positive, but uh, even the most pro-pen people have some pet peeves, uh, which is today's... Good wow, one. That was, that was, that was amazing. <laughs> was a lot that's there. a tongue twister right <laughs> there. Byron here. <laughs> Uh, but pet that's peeves. why we need Chuck. Yeah, um, that's that's what I cleared half an hour for <laughs> yesterday. To do. Um, we tend to talk about what we're most excited about. The, there's a handful of, of very critical ones that are, f- are focused on, um, you know, things that we would like to improve and stuff. But in general, we try to be positive. In most, in most part, it's stuff we're excited about. But this one is stuff that annoys us. And why and what would we do differently? We put the word out on Fountain Pens Oceania. And uh, we got uh, a fair few uh, hot takes from uh, people in the community, uh, and we'll, you know, we'll give our own takes on those hot takes. It's just going to be a hot take machine today. So I personally love talking about pet peeves. Um, as you all know, I like to have a good rant. I think it's healthy for the what? soul. What are you talking about? I know. You're I'm just I'm a... the Buddha incarnate. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. The only um, person we're missing for this part for this episode is Brian. <laughs> oh. Um, we can we can feel your rage here in spirit. We're going to read one of Brian's comments <laughs> oh, later <yes>. on. <laughs> yeah, um, but and I think this is quite interesting uh, as an overall topic. And I I may have been the one to suggest this topic because I I think it's not something that you see in a lot of the community where people just focus on the things which annoy them. But what would they do differently? And what what about it annoys them so much? Um, and yeah, I need a bit of therapy every now and then. And this is as close. This is the cheapest alternative to it. Well, we've got a few a few different categories to get through. There's, so so um, as I probably should have anticipated, once I put out the Facebook post requesting people let us know about their pet peeves we were diluted with comments so because many people don't, peeves. don't exactly. get the opportunity to it's unleash. all repressed normally free therapy you're welcome so um <laughs> we're going to read out select number of these we don't have time to read out all of them but we've read every single one of your comments and we'll probably touch on um your pet peeve throughout conversation i've grouped these into various categories i suppose and um it probably shouldn't surprise anyone that uh, the first category I've written down in our pen notes is the various complaints about Visconti. <laughs> Does the, Tab the, want this, to this, comment this, on this? Uh, a pallor has, has descended on the, the, the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I might push this one ahead because I think the only person here that hasn't... Have you bought a Visconti? Tab? I've got heaps of Visconti. Okay, so I think I'm the only person here that hasn't bought a Visconti for... No, that's a lie. Van Gogh, uh, Starry Night, which... You don't own anymore. 
No, uh, and it also had a baby's bottom. That's a feature, not a bug. I'm kidding. Yeah, it, it, uh, is it a feature or a bug? Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> anybody want to take the, take the baton and run with it for this one? Okay, I'm going to read this comment from Ryan. And um, I, I think it's probably the most generous. Uh, Ryan says, It annoys me that I've decided to never buy another Visconti, and yet they keep making so many beautiful pens. So this... <laughs> the fact that Visconti pens are often so aesthetically pleasing um, and attractive to a lot of us has to be weighed against the fact that they are also so disappointing sometimes. Yep. I mean, I actually have to say some of the previous Visconti, so like in the age of things like the, the Homo sapiens, when the Homo sapiens was in its prime and things like the Manhattan, the Wall Street. Are we still talking about the pen or are we talking about us as a species? That's a philosophical debate we can get into later. For another episode. Um, But No, I'm talking about the things like the the Manhattan, the Wall Street, all of the beautiful celluloid ones, the Davina, all of those beautiful ones. I actually think it's past that. They're not doing that anymore. They've, They've actually started making things more cheaply but without dropping their prices. Which is a complaint in yeah. and of itself. Yeah, yeah. So I have to say, whilst, yes, Visconti has its issues, I quite liked some of their slightly older designs and I was willing to put up with their flaws because I was able to fix some of them. But that being said, it was very disappointing to see that there were a lot of flaws that even that I had to um, yeah, fix. I mean, I mean design-wise, I I love the idea. Like, it's a very it's a very Italian design as well to do the divine proportions. Um, it's we don't talk about the divine proportions in this loft. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's uh, no. I said I said the diviner for a reason, not the divine proportions. Yeah. So we're not going to dwell too much on Visconti. We've talked about Visconti at length in different episodes, yeah. but um, I think it would be a mess of us not to say that people. Quite a few people actually said Visconti yeah, I, is an I think issue that there for them. Will be a, that we will be able to touch on Visconti in a lot of other topics in this, in this episode, mm-hmm. though. I mean, so, so I, I think a large portion of the um, peeves that come with Visconti have to do with their quality control, their build quality, as well as the attention to detail, which just isn't there. So even when you had the old Wall Street stack celluloid they had the squaring the circle design, which um, was broadly square but had rounded edges. On the Wall Street, they had a very, very bad history of having those sides not line up. So you'd have a pen that wouldn't actually lie down properly because the cap would be mismatched with the body. You know, th- that's attention to detail. You can fix that pretty easily. Uh, the the thing with that, I, I personally think the reason for that is because of the celluloid. Uh, celluloid can shrink if it's not made properly. So you have to actually cure it in a special oven for a very, very long time. And my guess is that Visconti got impatient and they're like, ah, oh, it's, been, it's been breathing for long enough. We'll just turn it into a pen now. And I think that when it off gases camphor and certain other chemicals, it shrinks. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of older OMAS pens would get um, like cap rings that rotate and stuff like that. And mm. things get stuck or things get jammed. I think it might've even been why the reason why your cap got jammed. I think maybe the- No, celluloid- the inner cap was loose. Oh, okay. That was, uh, so that particular celluloid on the divine proportions was actually f- a very old celluloid okay. stock. It was the Omas Burlwood celluloid, which, um, which was 19- very, very 1990s yeah, yeah. or 1980s. Yeah, okay. So in, in that yeah. case, maybe not, but certain other celluloids, if they're not cured for long enough, they can 
uh, shrink. And that could be one of the reasons why you have to sort of screw the cap on slightly longer and therefore you might get a bit um, of extra yeah. play. It's not just a little bit. Yeah. Some of them are very much misaligned. Yeah, you're right. So that's one example. I think it's that or, yeah, and yeah. also just bad workmanship yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, sorry. And then the other thing I wanted to touch on because I did have, uh, when I thought about Visconti, this was the one thing on my mind. Uh, they're new designs. They're do we call them designs? So the Pentagon, and I've had a famous rant about the Pentagon oh. already. Um, on has on anyone not had Oceania? Oh, on geez. Oceania, it's so uncomfortable. It's so uh, it, it looks. Like, it looks like something from a PlayStation One game. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it looks like it's got really low polygon count. Like it's it's hilarious. <laughs> I actually thought it was digitally rendered. It looks really badly digitally rendered. Huge step down, and your favourite n- type of nib. It is a gold fusion nib. <laughs> Sorry, that was me gagging. And it's my favourite type of nib I mean, too. Su- suffice to say, suffice to say, there's a laundry list, uh, and we're not the only people um, <laughs> that have. I saw it in a magazine in a completely different language, and I was still so mad. I was mad enough that it was three a.m. in the morning, and I posted a rant about it. Oh, we can we can go on. Yeah, um, we, yeah. We'll, we'll talk let's, about. We can go on. We can talk about something else. Yeah. Let's let's move on. Uh, the the next uh, topic we've got is uh, converters and filling mechanisms. So the most common complaint in terms of filling is really, really, really small converters, and they tend to be the sailor and the pilot converters. The, the Japanese ones. The Japanese ones. The converters, which I don't think have been updated or uh, changed in decades. Yeah, I, I really, I, I'm not a fan of the sailor ones. Um, on on the King of Pen, you kind of forget about it because it's got this giant housing that it sits in, and it it kind of just makes you don't think about it for a while. Just look at the rest of the pen. But in if you have any of the others, it becomes a lot more apparent. So my pet peeve with the these particular types of converters is not actually the um, size of them. So if with Sailor, I can tolerate the low small ink volume. I have an issue with the Sailor converter build quality and the fact that they don't come with a pen, yeah. right? You buy a Sailor pen, you buy a converter to add on to it. So the actual build quality of those converters are not particularly good. Though. So they come and they're very stiff when you um, try and actually like operate them. The piston's very stiff. Mm-hmm. And then if you over-twist it in your enthusiasm to fill up your pen, um, you sometimes unscrew the back of it off yep. and it just all falls apart. I've had that happen to me. But none of it, none of it is as annoying to me as the new Pilot, not new anymore, Pilot Con 40s. And the fact that you have three little balls inside and already any, like rem- teeny tiny, from all of mine. teeny tiny converter. And then they say, I read this on, it must have been on Fountain Pens Oceania from a pilot rep, that you're not meant to fill that converter up the full way. You're actually meant to only fill it up up until the bottom of those um, balls because otherwise you would have overfilled the converter. This converter has like... 0.5 mil of ink capacity to begin with. 0.5 is is generous, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. I actually think it's closer to point, point 0.4 or point 0.3. Okay. Yeah, but like 20%, the like 20% of the capacity is taken up by the balls. <laughs> <laughs> the, Con 4, the Con 50 was not my favourite converter to begin with. And uh, like, Chuck, what you've done with your Con 40s, I used to take the inside metal bit out of the Con 50 and I could live with that because the Con 50's got pretty decent um, ink uh, capacity once you take out the yeah. the little 
biddly. Is that the push, the one that you push the button? That's the Con 70. Con 70? Con oh, 70 has got great ink capacity, but it's yeah, terrible well, to my, clean. Yeah, well, I've got my own gripes about that as well. It's actually not on the list and I'm surprised. So like no one has specifically said the, the 70, but you know, th there's a lot of mentioning of capacity. There's a lot of mentioning of converters that have little hidden areas that are hard to clean. There's one comment from Max. Uh, Max Pagato, Max Penabler, um, that I really want to read because I thought it was funny. She says, I don't like it when the ink window is outside of a pen cap. I don't want to see your underpants, pen. <laughs> hey, hey, all pen bodies Actually, are beautiful, okay? I, 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 love, Look, I love demo, any any kind of demo feature. Demos I'm, are great really for some into. people. It's yeah, I think yeah. it's an acquired taste. But I will say, okay, I, I am a converter positive person, okay? So Me too. I don't think it's about the size of the converter. I think it's about Unless how it's you the Con 40. It. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, except for that one. That that one's that's that's a micro converter. I think mm -hmm. that might need to. That's got a problem. But I actually quite like small converters because it means I can change inks more often. Maybe that's just me. Unless I've got a really gushy pen, like one of my Noodler's pens, it needs a big converter, and it comes with one, thankfully. But most of my pens, I can go a day at least. Even if it's got a tiny converter, I don't actually mind that. I don't. I often don't fill my converters up the whole way. Because I like changing inks. I like changing it from day to day so I don't get bored. So unfortunately, like with comparing pistons and converters, there is that with converters, you benefit from being able to change your inks more regularly. Or they're easy to clean and um, restore if something gets broken. And with pistons, it's messier to, well, it's harder to clean it out completely and you have to either use up all the ink or waste it. So I think it, it all comes down to preference, mm -hmm. except in the case of the Sailor and the, the Japanese converters, because I think they could easily just change them yeah, to just build, make them, build, a, build, build them a little bit yeah. better. Yeah. But yeah. they don't, oh, they can't be bothered to. Well, the so platinum ones are great. The, yeah, the platinum ones. We haven't touched platinum on those. Ones, platinum, platinum ones, platinum yeah. they're Still great. proprietary, but they're proprietary. They do, they do, you can get ink caught in the little um, little opening, the opening bit, yeah, the little gold ring, I think. That's a bit annoying, but apart from but that, it's a great minor, minor it's, issue. Yeah, it's a great build quality. Uh, it's got good good ink capacity. You can take them apart to yeah. flush them. Well, so with all of these really f annoying converters, you can take them apart. And I haven't done what Chuck's done and taken the little small the balls. agitators. I had to. Oh, I have, I've got a demo Prera, and it was like, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was bothering me. Yeah, so I might actually do that for my Con 40s and I will revert to see if that makes me feel any better. But there's a quick fix. What I really don't like about the Con 70 is is I've nearly bent the nib of my Falcon trying to pump the little button on the end because it's a very stiff button and I'm terrified I'm going to lose my grip on the pen and catapult it into the bottom of the glass ink bottle. A lot of people syringe fill them. Yeah. I syringe fill you mine. You have to syringe fill <laughs> yeah, a converter. That completely defeats the I purpose of a converter. I hear you. But yeah, so that's just that's just one. That's with just that's just me. But So my top tip for the Con 70 is that I either syringe fill it or I fill the Con 70 on it, on its own and then put it into the pen and I dip the pen. Still that's not how you're supposed to use a converter yeah, yeah, yeah. and a converter should be used so it should be designed to be easily used the way it's designed to within, be used rather than pen, yeah. us having to come up with workarounds. That's I don't like getting ink on my nib, so I'm okay with that workaround for the Con 70 personally. I mean, you're, you're, okay. Max Schumacher, um, the occasional host on the podcast, Max says something about caps. He 
doesn't like caps that don't seal properly. Omar, Scruff on Faber Castell and many more. And I think in his uh, Facebook comment, he says this is often about manufacturing and um, they don't build in enough tolerance. Mm-hmm. For I was going to say Max. Yeah, Max something about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I, I really don't like this either um, myself because I have quite a few very high-end Graphon Pabocastel pens and because I have the same model in different finishes, I know that often they're built a little bit differently. So if some of them, some of the caps on my Graphon Pabocastel Intuition Platinos snap on very tightly and they don't lose any ink. And there's a couple which are a little bit looser and if I don't write with it every day or every couple of days – the nib goes completely dry and I really have to prime it again to get it writing. And I don't think that should happen on a like five, $600 pen. So this one doesn't bother me that much in terms of if it's a screw cap or if it's a click cap. So like a DuPont clip cap, um, Alami Safari clip cap, or even the Graphon Faber Castells. If it's a little bit hard starting after a, like a week or two, mm, I'm not phased. The thing that does bug me are the caps which seem to be friction fit on because I always don't feel very secure with them. And so I've got a, a Franklin Christoph Model 20. I was, yeah, I was just going to say. This one has been... I, I just, if you have strong hands and you put it on, it can be impossible for someone else to take off. It's a very old design. Some of the yeah. first pens were made yeah. with this. Yeah. They call it a slip cap. Yeah, and the level of suction that it creates when you're uncapping means that... I thought they had it designed such that they didn't have a suction effect. So they've they've said that there's a specific way that you're meant to open it, which is not to, like, pull it, like, straight off. You're meant to, like, uncap it and kind of, like, let it equalize. Because if you you pull it off quickly, then you create more... uh, Yeah, like that. Um, You create more vacuum. So you were saying something, Di? So Max... Uh, Max also says something about this in his comment. He says he hates pens that suck the ink out of the barrel when uncapping. There's an easy fix for this. A small air relief hole around less than one millimeter is enough for the air exchange to prevent too much suction. Yeah. So that's what he says is the reason for that. Yeah. I mean, that's, I I had that, that issue when, when I had a model 20 anyway, nibs, Nibs and feed. Brands which, yeah, can't get their EFs consistent. Lemmy, Lemmy EFs. I've had some great Lemmy EFs and I've gotten Lemmy EFs which are generously a Japanese medium. Pelican EFs as well. So I've got maybe about seven or eight Pelican EFs. Not a single one of them are the same size. Tav, Tav's got one as well with the pens and, and feeds. Yes. So uh, I've noticed that a lot of pens nowadays, um, because of a, an increasing reliance on plastic feeds, a lot of pens have feeds that can't really adequately keep up with the demands of a, a nib that's broader than medium. And whilst people might just go, okay, so use a fine nib. Well, people have their preferences. And if I'm using a stub nib or a broad nib or a double broad nib, uh, certain brands, they just make one type of feed, which is more than ac- adequate for a fine, a medium, or an extra fine. Um, for example, Platinum. Mm-hmm. Their feeds have a single slit with no fins or virtually no fins. And it's more than a- adequate for an extra fine or a fine or a medium. But for anything broader than that, it just becomes insipid. It just becomes... The, the ink, it still comes out, but it's not what you'd expect for a, a normal nib. They're, all, they're also kind of fragile feeds, the Platinum yeah. ones. If you take them out, in, at the, in like the wrong angle, they're, they're liable to snap. And the thing is, 
a lot of the times with um, like Mont Blanc, with Pelican, with Aurora, when you're getting those very high-end um, specialty nibs like the OBBs and the BBs, you're paying already a premium for it. So you mm. expect it to work. Yeah, and, and I have to say Aurora is another one of them. Despite having ebonite, ebonite feeds, feeds yep. they, I've, I've taken out an ebonite feed from an Aurora and looked at it and it has a very similar slit to a platinum feed. It's a very, very thin slit and it doesn't allow for a lot of ink to actually get pulled into the into the feed. Like the main body of the feed that's in contact with the nib has a slightly larger slit, but the area of the feed that pulls the ink into the feed from the converter is so thin. It can't really keep up. I've also it's- found with the with the nibs and uh, in because it's a nib unit with a row. Yeah, yeah. Um, if it's not seated right at the back of that unit which it can there's there's like a little bit of variance that might it doesn't look like a lot but if it's not seated right at the back you get a really poor flow so on the platinum one it really baffles me because platinum and nakaya basically are the same nib but when you get a nakaya on the double broads so the coarse nibs and the music nibs on the um nakayas they actually have a different feed for those they have a completely different feed and it has a different type of um, fitting. It's more, uh, it's a, like a tighter friction fit um, on those particular feeds. It's completely different to the ones that they use for the broad, medium and fine nibs. And then they have one, ex- they have a different um, feed for the extra fines and ultra extra fines as well. So if they can do that for a Nakaya, which is the same design, why can't they do that for a I Platinum? I have noticed that some feeds for Platinum pens are different i've tried swapping around a medium and a coarse before and it was a bit weird i did notice there was a difference but having said that i've also bought pens that came with a coarse nib from platinum and it had exactly the same problem so it clearly isn't uh, i think platinum just uses a one-size-fits-all approach and nakaya actually seems to care about it because they kind of have to Next, next one. This is this is a big one. This is this is a returning one, and it's a very common one. Flex to go into this. I feel like we don't. I feel like I feel it, like we can pass on. I think flex. Yeah, everyone, everyone knows what we think about flex. Listen to our past episode. Just see above. This is one of the pet peeves that we have discussed. Yeah, see above. At <laughs> see as above. Yes. Ditto. I'll link to the relevant episodes. Uh, body design, which we touched on with the the uh, Pentagon and everything, but. Pen design can make or break. I think a lot of pet peeves with pen design is very personal and what you like is something that other people just cannot stand. Um, mm-hmm. Like I hate metal sections. I don't like really heavy barrels that are like back heavy. But, you know, other people might find those pens to be perfect for their hand in there. I mean, my dream pen is the Pilot Custom Urushi and I think can't pe- use it and I just can't use it and people know how much I love that nib and every time I see it I lust for it even more but every time I actually use it it just does not work for me in terms of the um, that body sh- the body size the width of the actual grip section so I don't know how I'm going to get uh, get through that particular hurdle because I do love that size 30 nib to, to bits Got to start using those hand weights My personal pet peeve in relation to pen bodies is a little bit different in that I I think that fountain pens should be functional. Uh, So a fountain pen that is only designed to be displayed, 
I don't see any point that it be a fountain pen. I mean, it might as well just be a rod. I'm looking at you, (laughs) DuPont. Or how about that incredibly huge um, uh, Japanese ebonite pen that Sharon photographed when she was in Japan? That was totally usable. Oh, yeah. It has a size 300 nib. (laughs) If you're Bruce Banner and you need a fountain pen, geez. So I think it's usable up to a point, but then there are – just really oversized pens, which no one could possibly use. And then there are incredibly comfortable, uncomfortable, sorry, uncomfortable pens and really, really heavy pens that no one would I mean, ever I mean, I assume Dikembe Mutombo also likes fountain pens and Andre the Giant had to write down a shopping list at exactly. some point. Exactly. But uh, for, for the majority of us, uh, it, it lies outside the scope. Um, an interesting one, you know, we've talked about sections and... Um, Someone mentions here about sailor bells, which uh, unscrew without notice during use. Um, See, I ha- I didn't never found this with really my screen either. Issue. I think that person might be missing an O-ring because they actually Possibly. have, an, they have a, an O-ring on their barrel, or it might be a faulty O-ring. Yeah. Um, or several, maybe they have faulty several faulty O-rings because uh, back in the days where I used to work in a pen shop, pe- some people used to bring in sailors that were unscrewing, um, and it was because the O-rings might have been exposed to an ink that wasn't really. Um, good for them. I think because possibly Sailor inks are alkaline and the O-ring might be latex. Latex is not does, does not always agree with um, alkaline substances. So that could be it. Or maybe it just broke off. That could be actually a fault with those pens. I've never had that issue with any of my Sailors either. You, you have got something here mentioning about uh, ebonite and uh, fake uh, celluloid and lactochine. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I love celluloid and I love Chinese lacquer. So companies like St. Dupont and um, Carandash uh, and Celluloid being a Monte Grappa, Visconti, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But there are a lot of companies, like especially Chinese companies that advertise themselves as using Celluloid. So people will go, they'll go, oh yeah, look, I've got my first Celluloid pen because eBay told them it was Celluloid and it really isn't. And I think that's not fair of these companies to sort of almost charge a premium. I think there's a Wing Sung pen. Do you know that they're not Celluloid? Yeah, I've 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 encountered them, and and especially if it was if it was celluloid, especially considering they'd be new, they feel heavier than regular celluloid, okay. and also if you smell the cap, it has a very very distinct smell, and unless they're ancient celluloid that's been around, you know, since the twenties, where all of the the gases have dispersed, then. It, it would still have that very characteristic camphor smell. So it's like a celluloid look. Yeah, it, and yeah. it looks beautiful. I will say that it looks really nice, but it's it's just acrylic or it's injection molded, injection molded plastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and ebonite, I think it's just because India is such a big com- uh, country for um, for manufacturing ebonite. Whilst I do like ebonite as a pen material, there seems to be these very very samey patterns that companies are now using, and they all look very similar. Whether it be a, a Ranga pen or a Noodler's pen or a no name brand pen from India, or you know certain other pen brands have started making what they call wood grain patterned ebonite. But it's all coming from the same supplier. And it all looks very, very similar. And it would be nice if this pattern had some kind of variation to it. I yeah. think the problem is just that there are so few suppliers. Because I think yeah. Aboya is the only one in, in Japan who does it on a mass scale. Yeah, and Aboya actually do innovate their um, cell, the not cellulite, sorry, their ebonite finishes. Yeah. Um, so they do do special edition ones. Um, but there is a lot of new material that's 
uh, out in the market and new techniques that are being used. So, and I know this is probably a little bit off topic, but um, I was talking to a pen manufacturer who was using uh, wood and acrylic mix. So they would actually use, I don't know how, what's the technical term, but they would blast the wood with acrylic so that you'd have this uh, wood finish that has bits of colour in it. It's a mixture of uh, stabilised wood. wood. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's what it's called. Yeah, and it's um, it looks fantastic and very very unique finishes. But you know, again, that's not something that's uh, commonly found. And I wish that there would be more uh, interesting finishes and different materials such as that if you're going to innovate rather than just getting everything from one stock standard supplier. Um, the, well, the next one we've got uh, ink. We've, we've done a lot on inks. We, we, ge- we generally inks. do them piecemeal as we encounter them. Bring back Lamy Dark Lilac. <laughs> I think, I, think um, I mean, maybe this would be in a later section, but there are a lot of demands that people place on ink companies that they will try and accommodate, which result in disastrous inks that they just really aren't at all practical but people demand like demand that they be practical where it's physically impossible for them yeah, not to be the, i mean the, there is no so for them to be practical sorry there, there is no like ink that is going to behave perfectly for everyone's for everyone's yeah. tastes and demands like some people like completely solid no shading right some people like very dark colors that are that are matte and and other people you know like bright and uh, eye-catching and, um, you know, textured uh, shading. It's, it's, it's tough for, for inks, it's, but at, at the very least, you want it to behave well on paper, uh, which has, has definitely been covered. Speaking of paper, one of my pet peeves is premium, premium notebooks, which are advertised as for all pens, all types of pens, and that are not ink-friendly. If you're going to charge, like, 30, 40 bucks for a notebook, it better be able to withstand ink. Yeah, yeah that, you, that, you, that pisses me off too. You can see this at a lot of, uh, a lot of like, kind of gift places. Um, yes, It's like, yes. places with, like, hand-bound calf leather and then the paper will will not stand up to even, even a fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, you don't get this problem nearly as much in, in Japan. I think you have a much higher chance of finding just an average notebook that is fountain pen friendly in Japan, in Taiwan, in Hong Kong. Yeah. Um, but your your last app with um, with Anna as well, she was talking mm-hmm. about how just her her regular printer paper is uh, Clefontaine. Yeah, yeah, um, that's in France. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, what else have we got? Uh, packaging, packaging, and uh, Sharon is a. Uh, this is someone <laughs> I'd like to weigh in on this, but. Uh, this one's from Silvana and says, Before I used to enjoy beautifully presented luxurious pen boxes. Now, where am I going to keep them all? They take up so much room. I'm not a huge box keeper, but since I've started collecting Auroras, that has been happening more and more. <laughs> I'm, I'm loath to throw out a, a, a Lemmy box, a, a pilot box. You know, I can let that pass, but I'm very loath to throw out an Aurora box. Mm-hmm. So... I never throw out boxes. Sure. Um, so if I buy a pen, the box stays. Once upon a time, I had an issue. So once upon a time, I worked for Monte Grappa and I had an issue with collecting empty boxes because Monte Grappa limited <laughs> editions used to come in these beautiful wooden boxes. And if you've ever seen like the Monte Grappa Queen of Hearts a box, oh my gosh, that was like a whole, um, like a backgammon or like a game 
uh, it was like a mini gambling casino table um, full, complete with like dice and everything. That was like one of the coolest pieces of packaging I'd ever seen. I used to collect that stuff because it was just there and it was kind of like – do you want it? If you you're need not your own display case with like a glass-fronted door. Yes. And, and so when I moved, I had to let go of some of these pieces of packaging because they were just taking up too much space. Um, did you sell them or did you give them away? <laughs> Most of the Montegrappa limited edition packaging is at my parents' place. Um, <laughs> they have the space for it and they put knickknacks in it. But um, at the moment, I've just done a cleanup of all of my pen boxes and all my pen boxes – they fit in about six or eight large mailing boxes, like extra, extra large mailing boxes, like the largest you can get. They take up a lot of space. Yeah. They really, really do. Am I going to let go of them at some point? No. no I, don't, I don't think so. No, I don't <laughs> think so. I, I've got much deeper seated issues yeah, than, yeah. than just that. But I do sympathise with the fact that Packaging is so much larger than it has to be. Like, give me a sailor box any day of the week because it's just really, really small. If and you can fit two if pens in there. If came in sailor boxes, I would have no issue. But I, 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 I can't justify. I've, in fact, gotten Max, uh, who is on the pod sometimes, to turn me, uh, well, to carve me a, a tray out of wood that will fit in an Aurora box so I can use it as a pen storage um, option. I actually really like sailor boxes. They're quite quite sophisticated, but they're very simplistic. Same with uh, Carandash yeah, as yeah. well. No, I they're- like the sailor ones a lot, but also they're not so ornate that I feel like I'm throwing something properly away. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of like Carandash boxes because they have a sort of a faux leather interior and it kind of looks like the inside of a luxury car. But I don't think it's actually leather, and it's it's about the same size and shape and design as a as a sailor box. I'm anti faux leather. I've just cleaned out a Montegrappa faux leather box. I chucked it out over the weekend because faux leather just cracks and peels mm. um, after about ten years. Yeah, faux leather is like it's a nice idea. It is essentially like it's a plastic veneer. Um, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a, a few other ones we've got. This one from Brian, I feel sometimes. I'm, I feel sometimes and, and other times not so much. But from Brian, pencrastination. Stop buying cheapos just because, quote, I don't feel guilty, unquote. Save up and get better quality ones. Having 20 times $5 pens can equal one gold nib pen. Now, you know, we, we touched on the gold nib thing earlier, but also... I like what? What is a, a Lamy Safari will run you like what thirty five bucks? The, yeah, yeah, thirty five bucks. If I hold off on getting a collection of the colors of you know, like if I hold off on three or four Safaris just because I like the colors and like having them around, I could get a platinum. Right? I could get a three seven seven six. I, I think that there, there is times where I feel that. And from a sustainability point of view as well, yep. if you're buying twenty pens that are cheaply made in China, you don't know what you know, what, what the carbon footprint of that is. You don't know what's, what waste has come from making those pens. And it's not likely that those pens will last you a lifetime. So that's just more plastic in landfill. It's very hard to recycle those parts. Whereas if you buy a single Lamy or even a $100 Kaweco pen, that's once. Like, I don't know many Kaweco pens that are 
like that that wear out. They're very very long lived yeah. pens, and they're not that expensive. So if you st- don't do that pen crastination thing, you can have one pen that will last you a long time, and it's much more sustainable. Or you could just buy lots of expensive pens, which will last you a long time. So I've been eyeing um, online this. I think limited edition sailor from about 10, 15 years ago with a Naginata King Cobra nib. And this runs in like the 25,000 US dollar range. <laughs> so what you're saying is that my version of this pen procrastination is that I should buy less DuPonts and maybe with my collection of like 20 DuPonts, I should get this, uh, <laughs> this sailor. I, you know, maybe, maybe this philosophy scales up. Uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe. I, I cannot Very comment on whether it does. So if, are you telling us that DuPonts are your gin house? Probably, yes. Wow. Goals. So I, ha- I now have... <laughs> three of the DuPont Olympio Vertigo ones in the extra large size. I mean, look, everyone has their vices. I may or may not have put in a pre-order for the 20 new decimos. And oh, do, yeah, I, do I need surprised them? about this? Do I need them? No Absolutely one. not. Did I plan on buying them? Absolutely not. Could I have saved up and bought that $25,000 sale limited edition? Possibly. Possibly. Do I feel guilty about it? Absolutely not. So no. bite me. Exactly. Bite me. My pet peeve is people complaining about other people's buying decisions. Well, that's the thing. Uh, just before we move on to, uh, I kind of want to throw the the end of um, the end of topic one to Tav. Generally, generally speaking, uh, we're we're a community of users. I don't like. We get enough of the kind of luxury pitching from the companies themselves and everything. What I don't like is when someone at who at a lower purchasing grade has questions and people that are, you know, years into their fountain pen thing give the attitude of like, you know, I don't have time for small money, right? I I, I don't really, I don't like the... Uh, it's el- elitism is really... Yeah, elitist. like the, the elitism and the, the entrenching of that luxury thing, which already comes from the companies, like plenty. Yeah. It doesn't need to be... You know, it doesn't need to be reinforced within the community. I've been yelled at by a Mont Blanc employee for for bringing in a secondhand pen for um to have it overhauled and restored. Like he's he's he like literally just he started yelling at me like why didn't you buy a new one from us? They'd rather it be a disposable. Well, I'm just like, but but it was beautiful. You don't make this one anymore. Like I I brought it to you so that I could so that I could pay you guys to restore it and repair it and you know clean it up. But <laughs> it was very strange. So controversially. To me. On the complete flip side, um, and I didn't actually weigh in earlier on the steel nib the debate, I don't like it when I'm at a particular stage of my collecting career and people want me to regress back into steel nibs because I have no interest in steel nibs. Yeah. Just as a personal purchasing decision, I have no interest in steel nibs. So while I can say, good on you, that's a great pen, there is no interest on my end to buy one, so don't make me. You're using one today. Your parallel is a steel nib. That that is yeah. true. There's no, there's uh-huh. no, that is true. There's no like personal passion for it. Yeah, you know, there's no that, personal yeah. passion, so don't try and make me interested in that. And likewise, I won't try and make you interested in the twenty decimos that I've got lined up. We've, but we will be interested anyway, yeah. Sharon. We've, we've got a, we've got a few things from Tav, but the one that I want to touch on that we haven't is. Internet pen advice. You got a you got a yeah, couple of minutes for yeah, the floor yeah, for this internet one. Internet pen. Well, uh, the internet the internet in general has done a lot of good for fountain pens, but it's done a lot of bad for fountain pens as well. So uh, I've called it. The, there's two things. There's internet pen advice, and there's also the in, the pen Kardashian effect, 
But I'll, I'll talk about internet pen advice first. I've got advice in, in scare quotes here. Um, telling people to DIY repair their pens, especially ones that are still under warranty, is I think it's wrong and I think it's negligent. Uh, I've actually had a lot of people who've been referred to me to have me repair the pens they've just bought from the shop. And I'm thinking, this is under warranty. That was a fault from the manufacturer. Some of my us are impatient, Tav. I know that, but I my turnaround time is not stellar. I'm a very busy person and I, I don't just repair pens. Like that's a very, that's, a, that's actually quite low on my priority list. I do a lot of things in my life whilst I enjoy doing it. But the thing is also, a lot of people don't realize sending it to someone like me actually voids the warranty. So unless the warranty is already void, like it's been two years since you've bought it or however long the warranty is, don't send it to me to, or to even to, to Richard Binder or to Mike Masuyama. Technically, that voids the warranty unless they sold you that pen, I think. And even then, I'm not sure. But even things like old vintage pens, people are like, oh, yeah, just, you know, pull it apart with pliers. My sort of maybe the worst incident I've ever seen is someone who bent a vintage nib. I think they dropped it. And someone recommended that they snip the end off with a pair of tin snips and make it into a, quote, DIY snub nib, not stub, but snub. So that's kind of become my term now. If you if you snip the nib with tin snips, it becomes a snub, not a stub. So like those that kind of advice that just circulates on the internet is just dangerous. I've seen people break very old, beautiful pens Mm-mm. by trying to just muck around with them. Take everything you read on the internet with a grain of salt if it's on a forum where anyone can say anything. Mm. Cross-check it yeah. with the community. Go, go on YouTube or something like that. Go on, on Richard Binder's website. He's got some great articles. There are a lot of really informative things. But on Facebook, on forums, like don't just listen to any, any rando. Okay, so the, the, another thing is the, the Penn Kardashian effect. Uh, yes, the internet does tell you that you need like a double extra fine to quadruple broad wet noodle and to smush it as hard as you can into the paper because that's what you saw someone doing on a forum. But that that's not realistic. Um, and not every brand, no, most like, brands can't make those anymore. Just because you want one doesn't mean it can be made. If you see it from like a drawing and writing standpoint, a lot of the techniques that you see are not dependent upon the equipment being used. Yeah, totally. And especially you know, people looking for a vintage Flex Waterman 52. They're always after that particular model of pen, even though that's not the only pen that did it. A lot of that's done by professionals with steel dip pens that cost like five bucks. Yeah. But another, another thing is, is there's inks as well. Like people want bulletproof inks with sheen and sparkle. Like those are the big three things. And unfortunately, chemistry dictates that you, you can't have all of that. I think a lot of these things are reflective of how long you've been in the pen community, to That's be true. honest. And I think if you um, if you have a good size number of people around you who are also feeding into your knowledge and you're not just relying on, you know, Instagram posts and um, big video makers who um, spread this information, then you're much more likely to get even balanced information yeah, yeah. and to be more educated about... Um, you know, the practical properties of inks and yeah. what your expectations should be in terms of, you know, different nibs and so I, on. I don't, I don't necessarily begrudge people who's, who are influenced by the internet. It's more the people who spread these rumours, this, this mm, Kardashian yeah, fact, who, who say you need to get a flex nib. When someone goes, hey, what nib should I use for sketching? Oh, you need to get yourself a wet noodle. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think so, certain people, these 
the influencers. Yeah. Um, and we don't count ourselves among them. No, um, not at all. Because I, don't, I wouldn't s- presume to speak for a lot of people. I don't think any of our individual social media presences are good <laughs> enough to. Oh, my opinions are my own anyway. Yeah, like yeah. You, can, you can take them or leave them. But my advice is that don't just listen to what randos tell you on the internet. Look, just try and corroborate it with a bit of experience. You know, someone like, um, oh, I forgot his name right now. Just because you have like 50,000 followers doesn't necessarily make you an expert. Yeah, or, or even just because it's some, ra- some guy on Facebook who sounds like he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Go to the actual experts, you know, M- Richard Binder, uh, Mike Masuyama, um, David Nishimura. Actually, he is an amazing... He's an instant expert. Well, yeah, he is. He really is. <laughs> like, he, he's got a lot of really great advice on inks and pens and stuff like that, that, you know, that is, is very well researched and is a lot more reliable than some dude on Facebook. Yeah. Stop spreading fake news. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fake, you're fake news. All right. Um, so that that's our little little uh, pet peeve, venting a little steam. Um, that's been our pet peeve episode and we'll try not to be uh we'll try to be only positive from here on out for the rest of the year yeah let's let's <laughs> so i got an anti-rex yeah today. i was just gonna say um this does take us to our recommendation section um for those of you listening to the podcast first time we're just telling you about things that we like that may or may not be fountain pen related uh tav would you like to take this one okay start so, off with? yeah so this is not at all fountain pen related angela was in the philippines doing some occupational therapy study and work, and she made friends with a lovely woman named Sherilyn. And Sherilyn has a demyelinating disease, which is essentially very similar to motor neurone disease or ALS. And it's progressing. And unfortunately, the health system in the Philippines is such that her treatments are extremely expensive. And considering she only makes a couple of hundred dollars a month, she can't afford this life extending treatment that will give her so much better quality of life and Angela has set up a um a GoFundMe and the link will be in the description of the podcast um and we don't have a Patreon or anything like that to to contribute to this podcast but I think if you guys were going to contribute to this podcast I think it'd be good if you guys could contribute a a small amount to Sherilyn because this treatment is is it's just so vital for her and otherwise she's not going to get it here, here. All right. Di, would you like to take the next uh, recommendation? Sure. I don't watch MasterChef Australia, but I know a lot of people do. And I think in one of the earliest rounds of MasterChef, there was a, a Malaysian-Australian um, chef called Adam Liao, who was one of the finalists, perhaps. I, I don't know. Like I said, I don't watch MasterChef. But I've become a subscriber of Adam Liao's on his YouTube channel, where he makes cooking videos and I absolutely love them. They're very educational. So he, he cooks in like a home cooking environment. It's not a professional chef's kitchen, but um, he cooks Asian food. He cooks fusion. He cooks mainly Japanese, Chinese, Malaysian, um, those types of foods. And he talks through every single step in this really accessible way for people who like to cook but maybe aren't completely obsessed with every detail of the ingredient or the history of the dish so I think he's doing this great public service in terms of teaching more people about 
Asian cuisine. And he doesn't have nearly as many followers on his channel as I would expect, given the quality of his production. So go ahead and follow Adam Liao. And one of his recipes that I think is incredibly useful and handy to have around is his teriyaki sauce recipe. So it's just an incredibly simple recipe for a sauce. And you can use it with chicken, with beef, with pork, with, I don't know, vegetables. It's just added on anything. Yeah, so Adam Liao on YouTube. That from Dai. Sharon, would you like to go next? Sure. Champing at the bit? Yeah. Oh, no, I just wanted to get this one out. Um, So by the time we release this, hopefully everyone will have seen Avengers Endgame. And I know this is the most... um, (laughs) (laughs) This is the most... um, What was it? Like pop culture... Um, recommendation ever, but go see Avengers Endgame. If you've already seen that and you wanted to relive all of the past um, movies, Stan, a Stan subscription is great. Or if you have a friend who has a Stan subscription, you can borrow their account because there are about four accounts similar to Netflix. And you can go on there and rewatch some of your favorite uh, MCU. Uh, okay, Tav, we get it. Uh, so we can wa- you can watch some of your favorite MCU movies and while you're at it, rewatch one of the best animated movies of all time, Inside Out. So my recommendation is Avengers Endgame and Inside Out. Tav isn't mourning uh, the movie. He's mourning the end of the monoculture, which is what this movie yeah. represents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, isn't there... Tav's mourning the end of the episode. It's the saga. Yeah. Um, end of phase three. And also three. the end of the, the griping episode, because this has been my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, my recommendation for this episode is to take your time off. Take your hiatus. Playtime is important. It's very easy as adults to get caught up being task-oriented, being productive every moment of every day uh, and uh, internalizing your capitalism. But uh, we are organic machines. We are not mechanical we cannot do good creative and innovative work if we remain closed and task obsessed so take time off things that are unimportant it is important to take the time to do them Uh, that's my recommendation for this episode and use your pens while you do that absolutely well thank everyone for joining us thank you tav thank you Thanks, Sharon, once again. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. Thanks, Chuck. Uh, As always, listeners, uh, my name is Chuck, and until next time, ink well. Past and future episodes of this podcast can be found at thenibsection.com and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hop onto iTunes, rate us, review us, and recommend us to your friends. Want to share your thoughts, suggestions, feedback? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at thenibsection at gmail.com. You can also comment at us on the Nib Section Facebook page or at the Nib Section on Twitter and Instagram. The Nib Section is the official podcast of Fountain Pens Oceania, and our producers this episode were Chuck Montano, Sharon Zai, and Diana Zai. Recording and editing was done by Diana Zai. Our music was composed by Michael Pierce. Our logo was designed by Will H. Smith with artwork by Melissa Graff. Thanks for listening. <laughs>